Hey, we're so happy you found us online. The message you're about to hear was recorded live at Grace Family Church. We're a community following the call to love God, love people, and make a difference. We meet at four locations around Durban and at graceonline.tv. Go ahead and share this message, or you can download it and listen to it in your car or at home later today. Wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening from, thank you for connecting with us, and may you be encouraged by the message coming up next. to the radio this week and I heard a bunch of people calling in and telling the radio hosts what they think the pros of being single are. And apparently a lot of people think the pros of being single is freedom. And there was one guy in particular who described in great detail how much he loves being single. Because when you're single, you don't have to tell anybody where you're going or what you're doing. And he literally says, I can do whatever I like wherever I like, with whoever I like. And I was like, I hope your girlfriend doesn't hear you, your ex-girlfriend doesn't hear you phoning in right now. <laughs> but it's a pretty normal understanding of freedom. A lot of us see freedom as something that we can do whatever we like, however we like, with whoever we like. And, and freedom is widely understood to be the absence of constraints. And I get that, because I don't know about you, but so often life feels very demanding. Like there are a lot of expectations of us, we're kind of overcommitted, we get pulled in so many directions, and we long to be free. Perhaps, you know, our boss needs overtime, or our kids are out of control, or, you know, our credit cards are working overtime as well. And we feel like we're just running on empty, and if we were free of all these constraints, if we were free of expectations and demands, then everything would be okay. Freedom has a high price in our culture. We value it so much. Maybe those of you who have little children are fondly remembering the days where you could sleep in on a Saturday. Hi, moms in the room over there. And dads, yeah, sorry, Paul's wife is about to have a baby and he is trying to savor his freedom. <laughs> Maybe those of you who have jobs look at these, you know, these kids who are like basically finished school already, even though the term isn't over, and they're, they're, they're like free, they can do whatever they want, and you're like, oh, you know, I remember those days, now I've got like two weeks leave. Too often we imagine freedom to be the absence of constraints. But the problem is that life kind of gives us conflicting evidence about freedom. Because who is really free? Is it, you know, the student who spends all semester partying and socializing and then is in a panic when exams come? Or is it the student who's kept up their studies and now they just have revision? Who's really free? Uh, is it the person who spends their money on whatever they like and however they like, and then at the end of the month, they're kind of scrambling and borrowing and you know, going into overdraft? Or is it the person who saved up for what they want um, and they're living debt-free? 
who is truly free? What does real freedom look like? Now, one of the greatest teachers on the subject of freedom was a man named Paul. And Paul, we, we call him in the church kind of context, we call him Paul the Apostle because he led and shaped and influenced the early church communities. And one of those communities was struggling with what freedom really is and what it looks like. And, and it was really tough for them, especially in the culture that they were in first century Greece, um, where freedom was not that different to our culture, where basically whatever you did with your body was up to you, and whatever you did with your time was up to you, and there were slaves and there were masters, and it was kind of a free-for-all. And now yeah, you see what I did there. Um, and so Paul is trying to reframe freedom because it's something he was so passionate about. And this is what he says to this church in Corinth. He says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Oh, I can eat whatever I want, but it doesn't mean it's good for me. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. In other words, he's saying, you know, you can do whatever you want. I can, I, I can live my life the way I want, but sometimes when I do, I end up being mastered by something, and then I'm not free at all. Now, those of us who follow Jesus and, and believe that the Bible is really God's word to us and can guide us into freedom, this is exciting because it means that there are some answers here for the life that we really long for. But maybe you're not quite there with the whole Jesus thing and you're not sure that the Bible is true. And so I want to invite you to track along with us because in this series, The Naked Truth, we're, we're looking at this idea that there are truths that are true regardless of who says them. That when you take away who's saying it and how they're saying it and you strip back the layers and you dig down underneath, there are some things that are fundamentally true, whether it's a pastor or a scientist or a psychologist talking about them. And one of those truths about freedom is that freedom is not the absence of constraint. Freedom is not being able to do whatever you want. Freedom is the ability to say no when you mean no, and yes when you mean yes. Freedom is when you're in control of your life, when you're not mastered by anything or anyone. Freedom is when you're not a slave to something else. Freedom is when we have boundaries. Now that may sound a little contradictory, so come with me today as we look through the book of Galatians and as I share with you a picture of why boundaries give us freedom. Now, Henry Cloud defines boundaries as where I end and you begin. A boundary is where, um, is where what is me and what is not me is clear. Boundaries are what we say yes to and what we say no to. And I've learned a lot of this from a book called Boundaries by Henry Cloud. And so I want you to picture this table as my property. This is my garden. This is the piece of land that I own. And think about boundaries as the fence around what belongs to me. Now, I live here, so I can do whatever I want on this piece of land. I can build, I can put in a pool, I can plant gardens, I can strip up all the grass and put down astroturf. I have the freedom to do whatever I want because it's my garden. I am free to choose. The boundaries around this garden tell me where I begin 
and end and where my neighbor is. Think of the fence. A fence tells you the line between you and your neighbor. So if your neighbor hops over your wall and comes starts tanning next to your pool, that's called trespassing. It is a violation. And you can call martial security when they do it, all right? That is not okay because it belongs to me. So the problem is that when we have boundaries, um, we know what belongs to us, we know what we own, and we know that other people cannot just cross that line and step into our space. But it also tells us what we're responsible for. And this last week, I was reminded of that because we have a granny flat on our property, and my tenant left me a voice note saying that water was pouring down the walls into her kitchen because of the torrential rain we had on Tuesday. So I listened to this voice note, and my son is sitting in the back of the car, and he says, she really needs to sort her life out. <laughs> so I had to explain to him that actually she doesn't own that flat. And so she's not responsible for it. We own it. And so we're responsible for it. And he says, yeah, but can't she just sort out her own problems? And I said, well, boy, you do have good boundaries, but um, we just need to like, explain to him what ownership is and responsibility and and so that's why on Wednesday, uh, before the huge, big storm that was going to take us all out arrived, I was up on a ladder cleaning out the gutters of our granny flat with a beach spade. And it was stinky and disgusting, but that roof belongs to me, and so I'm responsible for it. So often, we have really good boundaries around our house. We just don't have good boundaries around our hearts. So often, we will take care of our roof and our walls and the garden and whatever belongs to us, but we don't take care of our inner lives in the same way. A friend says, can I borrow money again? And they still haven't paid you back from last time. And you're like, sure, no problem. Our mother-in-law comes to visit and she says, oh, you, can I stay a few days, a few more days? And we're like, yeah, no problem. And then we go to the bed and be like, your mother-in-law is staying. She's always here and she never goes. Because we don't have boundaries. Or our boss phones us at half past nine at night, says, where's that report? And we're like, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm working on it now. And when we don't have boundaries, we end up feeling angry and resentful and violated because someone is crossing the line, someone is trespassing, someone is violating us and stepping into a space that they're not responsible for. And we end up feeling like we've been walked over or we end up getting overcommitted or we end up being angry and we're trying to control people and we're trying to change people and we get hurt by the same person over and over again. You see, when we have boundaries, we actually are free. Boundaries give us freedom. And I'm going to explore this idea that the naked truth about freedom is that actually it comes from having good boundaries by looking at what Paul writes in Galatians 5. So in 5 verse 13, he says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I want to live in freedom. That sounds awesome. And then he says, but... Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. You see, Paul is saying, hey, 
You've been called to live in freedom. Jesus was here to set you free. But what are you doing with your freedom? What are you doing with what's been given to you? What are you doing with what's res- what you're responsible for? Because the hard thing to hear about boundaries, and I'm, this disclaimer, this is a tough one. Everything we have is because we've created it or we've allowed it. Sure, that's not an easy thing to acknowledge about the things in our life that we don't like. Everything we have is because we've created it or we've allowed it in. If your garden is messy and overgrown and there are weeds and thorns, that is because you have used your freedom to choose to allow that. If your heart is heavy because people have hurt you with their words and their opinions, it's because you've allowed yourself to care too much about what they think. It's not an easy thing to hear But freedom is about what we do with our freedom. And that's why scripture says in Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all, guard your hearts. Put up boundaries, have boundaries around your hearts for everything you do flows from there. Put up boundaries around your heart because that is where the quality of your life is going to be determined. So, Are you ready to come with me on a journey where we talk about how do we build good boundaries? Maybe you're like, yes, Jess, I need better boundaries. I wanna be free. There are people trespassing all over the place, stomping around in my yard, and and I wanna build up a wall, teach me how to do it. Okay, so how do we build boundaries? The first step is responsibility. Responsibility is the first thing we have to put in place for freedom. The first step for freedom is to, dis- to recognize what belongs to us, what is ours to take care of, to protect, to nurture, to keep healthy and growing. And that is how we start building boundaries. If we can take responsibility for what is in the garden, what is on our property, then we can flourish. Our gardens can be beautiful places to live. We can live freely. And so these are the things that we need to take responsibility for because they're ours. We need to take responsibility for our feelings. Oh, you make me so angry. No, no. I feel so angry. And so I'm gonna go take a walk and calm down before we continue this conversation. And that is not a hypothetical example. That is a conversation I had with Tom yesterday. (laughs) Okay? I was like, remember to practice what you preach, Jessica. And now, instead of saying, you are making me so angry right now, Tom, I actually did it later. I was like, I am feeling angry, not you're making me angry. So I'm just gonna go for a little walk around the garden before we continue this conversation. Take responsibility. My attitudes. Oh, this job is so boring and my boss is such a bad leader and if only she was more inspiring then I would love my work. Nope, your boss is not responsible for how you see your life. Your boss is not responsible for your attitude. Instead, how about, you know what? 
I'm going to learn everything I can in this position while I look for something that's better suited for me. What about our behavior? I am responsible for my behavior. What about the guy who's like, you know what? My wife is always nagging me and criticizing me, and that's why I stay out with the guys after work. Nope, your wife isn't responsible for your behavior. You are. How about, you know what, it's gonna be hard and uncomfortable, but I need to face the fact that my marriage isn't doing so well. That is taking responsibility for our behavior. Or what about our choices? Oh, mom, I can't go to lectures today because I'm too tired after last night because my friends made me stay out and they wouldn't let me come home early. Nope. Your friends are not responsible for a time you come home. Guys, if you're gonna stay out late, I'm taking an Uber home because I have lectures at eight o'clock. And if you're staying out, I'm going home. Do you get what I'm saying? These things belong to us. We are responsible for our choices. We're responsible for our talents and our thoughts. These are not things we can outsource to somebody else. And say, oh, but you didn't mentor me, or you, know, you told me that I look ugly and that I'm fat and that I'm stupid. Those are your thoughts, and you decide if you're going to take those things and put them in your garden and water them and grow them. We are responsible for our desires and our values. If you're dating someone and your value is not to hook up in the first few weeks of a relationship, that other person is not responsible for that. You are. We have to take responsibility for these things because they live in our hearts. You see, God has given us stewardship over this domain. They lie within the boundary lines of our own souls. The freedom and the, that we long for to be free, for all of these things to, to not be appropriated or outsourced to someone else, that means we have to take responsibility for them. God has created us to be our own free moral agents. No one can decide what happens to these things except for us. And I'd like to just kind of pause and, and on the side here, just say that there are so many people, myself included, who have allowed the thoughts that other people have about us to take root in our gardens. There are a lot of people here who need to pull up the opinions and the thoughts and the opinions of, uh, and the choices of other people and say, you know what, you don't belong in my garden. You don't belong in my life. I, I am taking you, and you can, you know what? You can have that back. Here we go. You know that thing you think about me? You can have that back. I'm not responsible for it anymore. Can you feel how liberating that is? How much freedom that might bring? But it only comes when we take responsibility for our own lives. And responsibility leads to the next step in building good boundaries, and that is ownership. Ownership tells us what is mine. Ownership says this is mine. It belongs to me. And in order to gain control over these things, we first have to realize that they're ours, that they don't belong to someone else. Ownership says no more excuses. 
Excuses, you are not welcome here anymore. Out you go. No more victim mentality. Oh, but she did that and he said this and that one time when. No, I am responsible. I own what's here. And then comes freedom. Because here's the exciting news about ownership. If we believe that we are victims, we end up feeling powerless. We end up feeling like someone else is in control of us. And we often end up in abusive relationships because we feel like we can't change the other person. As long as he's drinking, as long as she's so mean, as long as they're controlling, then I will feel this way. But since boundaries teach us that the feeling is on my property and I own it, then I can do something about it. And that's why taking ownership leads to something that every single one of us long for, and that is to have control. Man, we were created by God to be in control of our lives. God wants us to be fully in control of ourselves, not to be mastered by anything, not to be a slave to an addiction or a slave to our debt. God does not want anyone else to control us, to manipulate us. God doesn't want our feelings or our thoughts to be masters over us. God wants us to be fully in control of ourselves. And ownership leads to control. Freedom is regaining control of your life. That's why Paul encourages the church in Corinth to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You see, Paul says, hey guys, if you want to live free of other people, take your thoughts captive, own them, be the master over your thoughts, must be your slave, and then make it obedient to Jesus, give it to Jesus. God wants us to be in control of our lives so that we can submit to God, so that we can give ourselves to the process and the freedom that God has for us. If someone is trying to manipulate you with guilt or with shame or with anger, that is trespassing. That is crossing a line, that is crossing a boundary that God has established in your life. We take control so we can hand it over to God, so that we are not controlled by our husband or our boss or our pastor. We are controlled by God. So take ownership. Take ownership. This is why in Galatians 5, Paul, who's so passionate about this freedom, he says to the believers there, he says, stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul is saying, guys, don't let anybody master you. Take ownership so you can take control back of your life. And the only master you have is the love of Jesus. So maybe you're thinking, okay, Jess, I really want to take control back of my life. I don't know about you, but often I feel like my life is out of control. What does that look like? Well, one of the most significant things we can do to take back control of our lives is to set limits. This is a really practical way to take control back from things that might be trying to master us. And limit setting 
is a way to reach freedom because we are able to say yes to the things we wanna say yes to and no to the things we wanna say no to. Setting limits is all about communicating those limits, to, to, to tell people what our expectations are, to say, mom, you know, you can stay for four days and after that our schedule gets really busy, it won't be quality time, we're so excited that you're here for those four days. Can I drive you to the airport? You know, it's to set limits and to explain to people the consequences of what happens. And here's the thing, guys. So often, people violate us. People cross lines. People jump over the wall into our gardens and start ripping things up and messing stuff up. And we are there saying, hey, hi, would you like some chocolate cake? Would you like another cup of tea? They don't even know that they're crossing a line because we haven't explained our expectations to them. We haven't set limits. We may even reward them for trespassing. Henry Cloud gives a great example of what this looks like and it, it's quite an extreme example. It might not be your reality, but this is how freedom and limit setting go hand in hand. He tells a story of a spouse who says to her alcoholic husband, you need to go to AA, you need to go to rehab, and you know what? It's not true. He doesn't need to go to rehab because his addiction is carrying on and he's got a roof over his head and a wife that takes care of him and life is really comfortable. The addict feels no need to go to rehab. But when she says, I'm moving out and I will be open to getting back together with you, when you are getting help for your addiction and getting treatment, then the addict feels like, I need to go to rehab because the need has been transferred. Limit setting is all about transferring the need. The need and the drive has to be transferred to the other person and that is done through giving them consequences. When we begin to set boundaries with people we love, and this is, this is where we need support. This is why there are support groups for families of addicts. This is why we have small groups where we have people around us who help us process. This is why we have counseling, because when we begin to set limits for people that we love, something really difficult happens. They hurt. They hurt. They may feel a hole where you used to plug up their aloneness. They may feel out of control because you're not organizing their life for them anymore. They might, may feel a financial burden because you're not solving all their problems. Whatever it is, they will feel a loss. And let me tell you, that's hard. It's hard to see someone we love hurt. And so we may need good people, wise people around us, reminding us that those limits, those boundaries are necessary for us and helpful for the other person because they're actually bringing us freedom. Now, all of these bricks, these ways of building boundaries, they're sound and they're wise advice, but they are not easy to do on our own. We need help doing them. And so Galatians, in the book of Galatians in chapter five, Paul unpacks this for, for the followers of Jesus there to help them to see how they can break free. 
And this is really interesting because I'm gonna read to you Galatians 5, verse 9 to 20. And this verse has been used so often to create a burden on people, to moralize, to judge, to kind of um, try and scare people into being better. But I want you to see it through the lens of these boundaries. Now, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, in other words, when you live without boundaries, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Paul is not saying God is going to withhold his kingdom from you if you do these things. God, Paul is not saying God won't love you anymore. God won't give you grace and goodness and blessing if you do those things. He is not policing their morality or their religious perfection. He's saying, guys, if you don't have boundaries, that's what your life ends up looking like. Marriage is a boundary that gives us freedom. The kingdom of God is all about freedom. And Paul is saying, you won't be living in the kingdom, you won't be living with freedom if you don't have boundaries, if you don't set limits for yourself. And that's why there are two final bricks that we need so desperately. That's why God doesn't leave us on our own to try and accomplish this by ourselves but the message of Jesus is our guide to true freedom. Because the next box that brings us freedom, this box helps us to establish boundaries in our lives, and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness is absolutely essential for freedom. Forgiveness sets up a boundary. It puts protection around us. Why? Because forgiveness, this is what Henry Cloud says. He says, forgiveness gives me boundaries because it unhooks me from the hurtful person. Then I can act responsibly and wisely. If I am not forgiving them, I am still in a destructive relationship with them. Forgiveness unhooks us from a hurtful person. When we forgive, we find freedom. We are no longer in that relationship anymore. Having learned what we've learned about boundaries, how interesting does the prayer of Jesus sound now? When his followers said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, he said, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, the things we need forgiveness for are where we lost our boundaries. God has boundaries too. And in Genesis, when God sets out the design for how things were meant to be, he says to Adam and Eve, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, he's saying, guys, there are some things that you're not in charge of. There is a line where the created and the creator 
are separated. And God's boundaries are there to remind us that we're not God. We're not in control of everything. We're not there to judge what is evil and what is good. There is a place where God begins and we end. And yet, God forgives us. God forgives us for playing God in our own life, for crossing that line. God forgives us for, for turning our backs, for trespassing, for violating the boundaries that he gave us so that we could be free. At the, for, at the core of God's plan for humanity, to restore, to put things back into health and thriving and beautiful, flourishing life, at the core of that is forgiveness. Forgiveness is absolutely essential for freedom. And perhaps there are some people in this room who need to forgive. How many of us have people still wrecking havoc in our hearts, tearing up roses and throwing rubbish everywhere because we haven't forgiven them? They're still held hostage in our hearts. They may not even know they're there. They may not even be alive anymore, but because we haven't forgiven them, they're still messing up our space forgive them. And then finally, the last thing that every single one of us needs for healthy boundaries is spiritual growth. Because the truth is, we can't do this without the Spirit. We cannot do this without the presence of God in our lives. And maybe you've listened to me this morning and you're thinking, Jess, that sounds, that sounds good, but I just, I can't do it. I can't forgive, Jess, I'm unable to control my emotions or my feelings. Jess, I can't seem to say no when I mean no and yes when I mean yes. But here is the beautiful thing about Jesus is that Jesus came to set the captives free. And whatever you feel mastered by, whatever you feel controlled by, Jesus is here to set us free from that by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this fruit in our lives. Not we produce this fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces this fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, rules don't make us kind and gentle and patient. The Holy Spirit does. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who have received the Spirit of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. Their boundaries are in place. And since we are living by our own sheer will and effort, no, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Won't you stand as we pray? There are three people I wanna pray for this morning. Maybe you are one of these three people. I wanna pray for the person who has heard the whisper of God in their hearts saying, you need to take ownership. I gave you these things. And you've outsourced them or you've allowed someone to come in and pick it up and take it away from you. 
And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Take ownership. Bring it back. Put it in your garden. Set up a boundary around that thing. And if you need the help of Jesus to take ownership, I want to pray for you today. And there's another person here this morning. And you know the thing you need to do for freedom's sake is to forgive. Someone you need to forgive. Maybe they're not in your life anymore. Maybe you see them every day. But forgiveness is going to unhook you from that relationship and set you free. And there's someone else here this morning. And what I want to pray for you is that you're able to surrender to God, to let go of the control and the tight grip you have on your life and to trust in Him. So let's pray together for each of those needs in this place. God, your word says that the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom is not being mastered by anything or anyone, but living surrendered to you, Jesus. Living lives where your work in us makes us kind and gentle and faithful. Not our effort, but your grace sets us free. And so God, I wanna pray for those who know it's time to take ownership. It's time to take responsibility. God, help us to stop the excuses. Help us to stop feeling like victims. Help us to take back what is ours so that you are the only one in control of us. We will not be mastered by anything or anyone but you. We pray for those. We pray for those who are struggling to forgive right now. Jesus, help us to forgive. We make a choice. We choose to forgive. And if that's you, maybe you need to say this morning, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. Finally, God, for each of us who want to, who need to, trust you and surrender to you as our Lord and our Savior. We choose to do that right now. Lead us, Holy Spirit, into a life of freedom. Show us how to live freely in your love, in your care, in your grace. In the name of Jesus things we can only do, these things we can only pray in your name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. If you need prayer, please come down to the front and our volunteers will pray with you. Otherwise, get a pancake, get a bucket and have a great week.